This is an audio presentation of God First Church, Cheltenham, England. A community of Jesus followers, worshipping God first, proclaiming God first, and together living God first lives. For more information, visit our website at godfirst.org.uk. A series called uh, Revolutionary Stories about the parables of Jesus. And um, we said last week that Jesus' stories, we are, they're not little Aesop's fables, they're not the kind of little pithy, pithy talks with a nice idea, but actually they're, they're, they're Jesus' way of often completely changing our, our way of thinking, our, our way of looking at the world. And this parable uh, is called The Compassionate Employer. And that, that's fairly radical, isn't it? I, I, it's funny, when we prayed at the beginning, they all looked at me as if uh, I'm the uncompassionate employer in the church office, Steve. I don't know why you said that, but anyway. But, you know, the, it seems like an oxymoron, doesn't it? You know, Microsoft Works, the, compa- the, you know, the compassionate employer. They seem like sh- employer and compassionate. They don't seem to go together. And, and Jesus is, is basically saying... I'm going to give you a a different uh, angle on on the compassionate employer. And what we're going to find is that Jesus talks about, uh, he starts the parable with, many who are first will be last, and many who are last will be first. I mean, in, in our society, you know, it's very much kind of a ladder. Career is a ladder. You climb the ladder, and if you're first, you're treated as first. You're treated as the one who's entitled to privilege, and if you're last, if you're the bottom of the ladder, you're, you're, you know, you're the person that cleans the office that no one notices, you know, and that's the way that, that the economics works. And Jesus starts this story and says, Okay, I'm going to tell you how I'm going to turn this perception upside down. Okay? So we're going to roll in Matthew, uh, the, uh, the, you know the chapter and verse things were, were put in after the Bible was written, okay? So I'm, I'm not cheating here by reading the last verse of chapter 19 before we roll into 20, because it says, uh, it tops and tails with this same phrase. So Jesus says, 19, uh, 30, many who are first will be last and many who are last will be first. For the kingdom of heaven is like, so he's basically saying this is how God's economy works. It's like the owner of a vineyard who went out early in the morning, and they would have understood that as 6 a.m., to hire laborers for his vineyard. After agreeing with the laborers for a denarius a day, he sent them into his vineyard. And then going out about the third hour, 9 a.m., he saw others standing idle in the marketplace and said to them, You go into the vineyard too, and whatever is right, I'll give you. So they went, and then going out about the sixth hour, 12 noon, and then the ninth hour, about three in the afternoon, he did the same. And then about the eleventh hour, 5 p.m., he went out and found others standing there and said to them, why do you stand here idle all day? He said to them, because, they said to him, because no one has hired us. He said to them, you go into the vineyard too. And when the evening came, the master said to his estate manager, call the laborers and pay them the wage. That's the denarius, the wage. Beginning with the last up to the first. When those who were hired about the 11th hour came, each of them received a denarius. 
when uh, uh, those uh, hired came first, they thought they would receive more, but each of them also received a denarius. On receiving it, they grumbled at the master of the house, saying, those last, uh, those last worked only one hour, and you've made them equal to us, but we have borne the burden of the day and the scorching heat. But he replied to one of them, friend, I am doing you no wrong. Did you not agree with me for a denarius? What, take what belongs to you and go. I choose to give to this last worker as I have given to you. Am I not allowed to do what I choose with what belongs to me? Or do you begrudge my generosity? So the, f- the last will be first, and the first will be last. Father, we just pray about, as we read the story from your son, Lord, I pray that it would reach into our hearts. I pray, Lord, where we so often feel that we earn any blessing. Lord, help us to understand that you are incredibly gracious and go beyond all earning into overflowing goodness. Pray in Jesus' name. Amen. So it looks like this, this is a story of economics. If, if, you, if you read the story, it looks like a story of economics. It looks, uh, the first lines are, you know, that, 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 that Jesus went out, uh, sorry, the, the master of the vineyard went out and he basically hired, the, the owner of the vineyard went out and hired some laborers uh, and he basically says to them, I'll pay you a denarius. Uh, You've you got to understand the context here is that the, the, the laborers would be landless laborers. When Israel was first constituted, everybody had a slice of land. Uh, but what happened is that, that over time, economics and the kind of ladder of economics fa- meant that some people owned land and some people would, would, would live on the land and work for the land. They were called sharecroppers. They would get a share of the crop. But some people actually got to a point where they were forced off the land and they became landless. And, and that had happened much, much more in Roman times as Romans took some of the land. And so to be landless in, um, in this culture was 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 massive, and we'll talk about that in, in a moment. Uh, but it looks like, you know, this is a story, it looks like this is a story of economics. It, it looks like that, uh, you know, uh, it's, it, we're expecting a, a landowner who who's just needs some workers, and he comes and pays them the minimum wage. The denarius was the minimum wage. It's almost like there was a custom that, that workers wouldn't be exploited, so they'd get this denarius. It was half what a Roman soldier got. A Roman soldier would get two, so they were uh, classically getting, you know, a low wage. So these are low-wage workers being invited by the master of the vineyard to come and work in his vineyard. So far, uh, so straightforward. Um, but, but you've got to understand these landless laborers, they would have gone every day to, to the city gate. They would have gone every day to, to the city gate and stand there looking for work. Uh, if, you didn't have, if you didn't have land, uh, then basically you ha- you'd lost your identity. So we would get our identity and say, well, what do you do? Well, I'm a church leader, or I'm a school teacher, or I work in this or that or the other. That's how we get our identity. But you've got to understand that Middle Eastern peasants, they've got their identity from having land. And so these people have been stripped of their identity because they were landless, but also stripped of any sense of kind of support. So they would stand in this kind of humiliating manner at the city gate with a loss of identity, with a quiet desperation saying, if I don't get employed, uh, I'm not going to feed my family. And each day would be this lottery. And you still see this uh, today. I mean, I, I, it's a, you can, that's a picture from the States. 
uh, from the southern United States, where there's actually a place where they, they literally the day laborers go uh, to, and people pull up in, 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 in pickup trucks and say, I need some people to do this or that. I, I, it's a long time ago, but I was in Jerusalem 30 years ago, um, and, and, and I saw that at the city gate in Jerusalem, that, that, that landless Arabs, mostly Arabs, I wasn't checking their ethnicity, but mostly dressed in Arab uh, uh, wear, would come and they'd stand around at the city gate and people would, uh, uh, mostly uh, Israelis would drive up in, in, in pickup trucks and, and they'd say, four, five, six, in the back and off you go. And, and what you'd find is at the beginning of the day, you know, you'd see them because you go in and out, it's particularly the Damascus gate, you'd see them. And you'd see them at the beginning, there's a big crowd. By midday, there was a smaller crowd. By the you know, then by, by one o'clock, they're, they're, they're drinking coffee, playing cards, and by two o'clock, they've all gone home. But not everybody got work. Not everybody got work. And so these, so when we're talking about laborers in the vineyard, it's, these are people who are living right on the edge, living in subsistence, and, um, and need work. And if they don't get work, they can't feed their family. So when, when Jesus says, and the, the master of the vineyard, uh, that, that they would have, they would have understood this economics. They would have understood that these, the, 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 at time of harvest, the, the, the vineyard owner uh, or, or, or the vineyard owner would go and hire workers, and so they'd get that. So when they said he goes early in the morning to hire workers, they'd get that, and they probably w- would have understood a little bit about who the master of the vineyard was, uh, because actually, loads of I could have given you loads of quotes, but but that Israel understood themselves as the, as the vine, or the, the people of the vine. In fact, on a, if you go on an Israeli shekel, it's got a picture. I think there's a picture of an Israeli... Yeah, in Israeli shekel, it's got a picture of a, a vine on. So they would understand themselves as a vine. So it says in Isaiah 5, we didn't preach it when we did Isaiah, but it says, The vineyard of the Lord Almighty is the nation of Israel, and the people of Judah are the vines he delighted in. He looked... For justice, but saw violence. He looked for righteousness, but heard the cries of distress. There's a sense of that the, the, the vineyard owner uh, is God, and the people of Israel are the vineyard workers who are looking for, right, uh, looking for justice. So they, I think most people listening to that, that story would have said, oh, we've got a vineyard, this is a story about our nation. This is a story about the people of God and God's people, okay? So it's really interesting, because you think, well, what was the... What was the vineyard owner thinking? Because here we go, this is the rhythm of the day. Now let me just read it again, and, and, and so you get kind of the, the intensity of the vineyard owner coming again and again to uh, hire workers. It says, and going out about the third hour, uh, he, he, he saw, he saw uh, others. So he goes out the first hour, he goes in the early morning, you think, well, he knows how many workers he wants, you know, he goes out the first hour at the beginning of early in the morning and gets how many workers he wants. But f- suddenly he's going back in the third hour. He says about the third hour, he saw others standing in the marketplace and said to them, you go to the vineyard too and, I'll gi- and whatever is right, I'll give you. So there's this sense of justice. There's a sense, is he going to be fair? Is this vineyard owner going to be fair? I'll, no, I'll give you what's right. So they went. And then going out about six, uh, the sixth hour, so the heat of midday, and then the ninth hour, he did the same. And then about the eleventh hour, he went out and found others standing there. And he said to them, why do you stand here idle all day? Is he, is he telling them off? What's the matter with you? Why are you standing? I, I don't know. Why are you standing here idle all day? Because no one has hired us. And he said to them, you go into the vineyard too. Now at this point, you're thinking, 
the guys who were listening would have thought, okay, I can understand the, the, the vineyard owner going to get workers at the beginning of the day. But what, what's going on? Why is he going back uh, you know, at the third hour, at the sixth hour, at the ninth hour, and the eleventh hour, why is he going back and hiring workers? And, and you could think, well, what is this a story of? Is this a story of injustice or not? Is this a, what is this a story of? What's the motivation for the, the vineyard uh, owner bringing these workers? You know, what, what, what's his motivation? And I think there would have been a certain amount of tension. Jesus' brother James would have picked part of that tension. So uh, maybe 20 years later, he's writing about uh, justice in the kingdom, and he says, Behold the wages of the laborers who have mown your field, which which you have kept back. So you've kept back the wages of the laborers who have mown your field, are crying out against you, and the cries of the harvesters have have reached the ears of the Lord of hosts. So immediately they might have been thinking, okay, is this vineyard owner ex- going to exploit these workers? Is, is, is this a matter of justice? Is this a story of, of economics? Is this a story of injustice? What's going on? They would have been really, really intrigued to, find, to think about what's going on. And, and we don't really know what's going on and, and, until we get the kind of centre of the story. So it says, When the evening came, the master said to his estate manager, what do you notice there? The master said to his estate manager. You can respond at this point. It's interesting, the master's got an estate manager. We didn't know that to start with, did we? We just thought this guy was a small holding guy who's going down, you know, from his vineyard, we don't know how far the vineyard is, going down and hiring workers and looking at the job and saying, oh, I need more workers and looking at the job and seeing more workers. But actually we find out he's got an estate manager. Now, if I had an estate manager uh, uh, in charge of my vineyard or my company, if I had somebody in charge of my company, I'd say, right, you get on and do it. But immediately think, oh, there's an estate manager. What's What's the vineyard owner doing? What's he thinking? And he says, call the estate manager, call the, work, the labourers and pay them the wage. Again, that, no surprise, the denarius, what you're supposed to get, that was a living wage. Pay them the wage. But he does something really strange. He says, beginning with the last and then the first, when those uh, were hired, uh, about the 11th hour came, each of them received a denarius. What are you going to think at this point? So these guys have worked an hour and they've got a full day's wage. What, what, what are you thinking? What do you think? It's, it's unfair. You might think it's unfair. If you had worked all the day, you might think it's unfair. If you'd worked the one hour, you think, this is amazing. Yeah? So immediately you've got this tension in the story. What is going on? Now, you know the story, and you know a little bit about God, but you've got to understand, when you first heard this, they'd think, is this a story of economics? No, it's not a, it doesn't seem to be a story of economics, because economics would not give the, the, the people that worked an hour a full day's work. It's not a story. Is this a story of injustice? Well, no, it can't be a story of injustice, because actually, the vineyard owner would have never given them a full day's wage. This must be a story about something else. And you've got to understand, and I think, that this is the heart of the story, is that, that the vineyard owner is full of compassion. 
if he'd have been a, just a hard-hearted uh, vineyard owner, he'd have said to his, uh, he'd have said to his estate manager, we got, we got the harvest tomorrow, we're going to need five, five guys to work. You just go down first thing, get them first thing, and go. What, why is he going down? Why is he going down and hiring people? And then why is he going back three hours later and hiring some more? And then three hours later, hiring some more. And then three hours later, what is he doing? What is a, a wealthy business guy going down to the kind of poor part of town and hiring workers for? You kind of know the answer, do you? You must know the answer. You must know the answer because it's, God tells you what he's like. The vineyard owner, it says, when, he, when, when Moses asks what's, his, what's, the name, what's God's name, God says, this is my name. The Lord, the Lord, yeah, say it with me. The Lord, the Lord, compassionate and gracious God, slow to anger, abounding in love and faithfulness. What's happening is God sees the injustice of this system, sees the injustice of these landless laborers that are living on the margin, sees the injustice of it and thinks, this is, moves my heart. He could have said, oh, this is just economics, just get all we need, and it's none of my business what happens to these other people. But actually, there's, it's almost like there's a restlessness in, in the vineyard and there's a restlessness in the heart of God and he thinks, I better go back and three hours later and see if anybody's picked up work at nine o'clock. And he sees a lot of them still there and he thinks, if these guys don't get work, then they can't feed their family. So he says to a bunch of them, quick, get in the truck, let's go. And you think, well, he'd leave it there, but he doesn't. He goes down in the heat of the day at midnight, and he, at midday, and he sees them still there. Now, when I went and saw in, 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 in Jerusalem, they'd kind of packed in by then. They thought, oh, I'm not going to get any work. And they'd go home, they'd have to say to their family, we've got no food today. But a vineyard owner goes down, and he sees another bunch, and he says, come on. And then he thinks, he's saying to them, you know, maybe he's saying, he's saying to the guys, just hang on here. Just hang in here because maybe someone's going to hire you. And he said, but, but if they don't, I'll come back. So he comes back at three and he says to some more, come on. And then even at three, he does, he's thinking, what about those people who've got nothing? If they don't feed their families, they're going to die. So he goes back at five o'clock. He's really not interested in the vineyard, is he? He's not, I, I put here, he isn't, in, he isn't there to, he isn't there at the city gate to fill his vineyard with workers, but because his heart is filled with compassion. And we can think about God is that God's just trying to recruit people for, for his thing. He's, he's just got a job for us to do. He's got some serving for us to do. Thank you for those that serve in church. He's got a serving for us to do, and he's just trying to recruit us into his thing. Because he's really, the bottom line is, he's, he's just not good. But we've got to understand here that actually God is completely good. This is a parable. And he said, he's actually recruiting us into his purposes because he's absolutely com got compassion that we're going to have life. If we stand, uh, you know, and the, the truth is, you are all landless laborers. You might think, I'm not a landless laborer. I've got a nice job. In fact, I own a vineyard. You know, I, I'm doing really well. I, I'm fine. I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm not. No, you're all landless laborers. The start of the story is Adam and Eve were given a garden, a vineyard, whoa, to work. And then what happens is they reject God and they become landless. That it's, you know, they, there's a thing that, that, that the Israelites used to say my father was a landless warrior, a landless wanderer. Abraham, 
These are all landless. We're all landless. You have no identity. You have no hope of life. Your life is at 70 years at the city gate looking for something that's going to give you life, something that's going to satisfy. That's who you are. That's who we are. So when, when God comes at the beginning of the day and says, I want you, your response is, yes. Absolutely. You know, I don't know what we're like, but I mean, I, I just think if people knew how amazing, people out there, people in here, but people out there knew how amazing God was. When God came with the offer of life, they wouldn't just sit at the city gate of life and go, you know, I think a better offer might come. I think something more fruitful, more exciting, something that pays more, something that fulfills me more is going to come. Uh, the, the, the vineyard owner comes and you just say, no, not today. I mean, it's, it's incomprehensible, isn't it? If you're a landless laborer with no hope of life, somebody comes and says, I'm offering you life, you're in the truck. And Jesus comes again and again and again to people, doesn't he? And says, come on, I want to give you life. He keeps coming, he keeps looking, he keeps searching, and thinks like, here they are again. So for me, he came to me at nine o'clock and I said, yeah, I'll work. <laughs> I never got in the truck. You know, by midday, I'm backslidden. I, 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 you know, I'm not telling you what I'm doing too much, but I'm doing too much of everything you shouldn't do and, and not enough of what you should do. And, you know, and it, and it's 12 o'clock midday. I think, what am I like? Here I am, starving to death. And I should have been in that house. You know the story of the prodigal son? We're not doing it in this, in this series. But you know the story of the prodigal son? He's, he says to his father, no, I don't want to work in your vineyard anymore. No, thanks. I'll, I'll just buzz off. And then there's the middle of the day and it's famine and he thinks, why did I turn down the offer? I'll go back. I'll go back to my father. And I'm like back at, for me emotionally, I'm back, it's like the city gate and it's like, you know, midday. And the father comes again and says, you're going to get in the truck. And I'm like, I am in. But it's interesting what happens in the story. Because when you jump in the truck at the start of the day, you probably think, great. And then he puts you to work the 12-hour shift. He puts you to work for a 12-hour shift. And suddenly you move from, I am so gracious that the vineyard owner has given me life and a chance to feed my family. And every hour you do, and every bunch of grapes you pick, and everything you do, you start to move. So by the end of the day, it's like, you owe me. You owe me now. Again, the story of the prodigal son. What does the older brother says? All these years I've slaved for you and you never gave me so much as dot. It's so easy to move from grace. All that the father has belongs to the two sons. All that these guys have belongs to the owner of the vineyard. But so, so quickly we can move from grace, freely given life, into entitlement. Is this a story of grace or entitlement? When those who he had hired about the 11th hour came, each of them received a denarius. 
Now, when those who were hired first, they thought they'd receive more. But each of them also received a denarius. On receiving it, they grumbled at the master of the house, saying, these last worked only one hour, and you've made them equal to us, and we've borne the burden of the day and the scorching heat. Do you know what turns people off, Christians, is when they move for God, thank you that you've chosen me and given me life to. I've worked. I've worked for this. You know, I'm, I'm on the rotor. I'm on multiple rotors. You know, I, I, I go to that black box and that eyes that thing, what if we don't, and I, I'm giving, gift day, I'm all in. You know, I am all in. I, actually, God now, God, you owe me. Do you realize how fortunate you are, God, that I actually bother to come on a Sunday? And you should be absolutely made up and delighted I'm here. Because we love to separate us and them, don't we? Uh, the language here, Jesus never wastes the word. You've made them equal to us. Remember we talked last week about the Good Samaritan. What's the, they're asking the question, who's my neighbor? And saying, Is there, what's the boundaries of my love? Can I, can I stop it here? And Jesus says, there's no boundaries. But we love to put boundaries in. We love to say, I've earned it. So you can sing a song at, at the beginning of the day. You know, when I survey the wondrous cross or amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a early morning landless wretch like me. And by the end of the day, you can say, this Christian thing, he's, you know, he's not sorting it out. He's not, he's not putting his hand in his pocket for me. You know, my wife's had this disease and I'm struggling with that. You know, and you can just become bitter in your heart. It's just a lie that they have borne the burden of the day and the scorching heat. Jesus loves to separate, doesn't he? Oh, my bad. Jesus loves to separate. So let's throw in a, a freebie parable, freebie parable, Luke 18. I've added some brackets so you can see that we're talking about the same thing. Some of those who are confident in their own righteousness, a.k.a. the full-day workers, ADA, those who planted churches and feel like God owes them a living. Oops. Look down on everyone else. That guy that got saved like three weeks ago and he's like, man, his life's messed up and he's acting like, really? Jesus told this parable. Two men up, went up to, uh, the, to God first church to pray. Oh no, let's put it in the, let's let Jesus tell the story. Uh, went to the temple to pray. One, a Pharisee, and the other a tax collector. The Pharisee, a.k.a. the guy who's trusted in his own righteousness, the full-day worker, and the tax collector, the 11th hour, last-minute worker, the Pharisee stood all by himself and said, God, I thank you that I'm not like other people, robbers, evildoers, adulterers, or even like that filthy tax collector person. You know, I fast twice a week and give a tenth of all I get. And then the tax collector stood up a distance he wouldn't even look to heaven. He beat his breast and said, Lord, have mercy on me, a sinner. I tell you, says Jesus, that this man, rather than the other, went home right with God. For all those who exalt themselves 
will be humbled and all those who humble themselves will be exalted. So we've got the workers in the vineyard. We've got some workers who think, you know, I've worked hard. I've kept the rules. I give my tenth. You know, I do the stuff. And you've made me equal with them. You've made me equal with them. And so entitlement creeps in. I was saying in the car, talking to Nazi, we were on our way back, we were driving back last night, and we were talking about a few situations, and we said, and I said to her, maybe because I had this in my head, I said, you know that entitlement is one of the horriblest things in church. You know, that entitlement that says leaders get a special room, special treatment. You know, I joked about how authority works in this church. You know, that leaders get this special because, you know, they, they're the full-day workers. You know, and, and I think it'd be nice. You know, I heard a story of a, guy, a church in Wales that bought the guy a Mercedes and sent him on holiday, like with £10,000 in his pocket. And I think, Lord, this is a church that we need to be. <laughs> <laughs> but I thought, I hate that. I hate that entitlement. I hate that entitlement. And it's so easy when you turn the grace of God into God you owe me. It smells horrible. It smells horrible. Jesus, carrying the story, talks to the shop steward, calls him friend. Friend, I am doing you no wrong. Do you not agree? Did you not agree with me for a denarius? Take what belongs to you and go. I choose to give to the, this last workers I give to you. Am I not allowed to do what I choose with what belongs to me? Or do you begrudge my generosity? I found it a hugely challenging parable because he's basically saying, Howard, if you've moved into earning, if you've moved to expectation, if you've moved into that, then just take, take what you've got and go. But he wants us to live in gratitude. Not because he desperately needs us to say, God, you're wonderful, but because if we lose gratitude, we lose repentance. If we lose gratitude, we lose, we lose worship. If we lose gratitude, we lose joy. I always finish here. You know, some people say to me, it's a bit boring because you, you always end with... Jesus, that same picture of Jesus on the cross. But I don't think I'm having to squeeze him into this story, apart from he's telling it. I just thought, this is really interesting, isn't it? Let me just read from Mark's Gospel. It was the... when he was crucified. And when the sixth hour had come, there was darkness over the land until the... And at the ninth hour, Jesus cried in a loud voice, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Where's Jesus crucified? Outside the city gate. Outside the city gate. He's not just sending his steward. It says in Hebrews, in the last day, God has spoken, it's spoken through his prophets, but in the last day, he's spoken through his son. He's gone himself. He's gone himself to the city gate. He can't help himself but go to the city gate. He says, he says I'm going to go to, to Jerusalem and they're going to crucify me. And, he, and, his guys go, and his disciples go, no. And he said, but he can't help himself go to the city gate. Because if he doesn't go to the city gate, if he doesn't experience the, the third hour and the sixth hour and the ninth hour in the heat of the day, and the burden of it in the heat of the day, then you are going to stay 
at the city gate, lifeless, with no hope. But he drives himself there. He drives himself there. Let me finish with this. I wrote this. The compassion and overflowingly generous heart of Jesus draws him to the cross. Outside the city gate, the one who was rich becomes one with the poor, the despised and rejected, drawing the wages of all our sin so he might pour on us his unmerited grace and give us life. The compassion of the the employer, the vineyard owner that brings him again and again to the gate is the same passion that took Jesus to the cross. And Paul says you can trust in that compassion. Paul says, he who did not spare his own son sent him to the city gate again and again in the heat of the... He did not spare his own son. Will he not also? Do you know how it finishes? Along with him, give us everything. Guys, we must never lose the wonder of the grace of God. And if you just come each week and say, it's the same sermon every week, that is because we just so easily become entitled We so easily become institutionalized. We so easily become, you have not been good to me, God. We forget that landless laborers without intensity, in identity without life, and he's drawn us, drawn us into his life. For more information, visit our website at godfirst.org.uk.